We're so thrilled to be able to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on Bob Pachris, a NASCAR extraordinaire reporter, back with us here on the program to talk a little racing with us. Bob, the time is greatly appreciated. How's your Wednesday going so far, my friend? Uh, it's going great. Uh, just uh, getting ready for the second round of the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. So includes a trip to Talladega in about a in about a week and a half. Yeah, you're close. You're close to being able to come down our way. Of course, you got to stop in Texas first. And uh, what a fun first round of the playoffs that it was for the sport. Three non-playoff drivers were able to uh, find themselves in victory lane. How in the world does that happen? <laughs> That's a great question. I think it happens because with this new next-gen car where everybody has pretty much the same parts and pieces, everybody's still learning the car. And there's some days you hit it and some days you don't. And you're also learning about the durability of the car. And I think you saw in some of these races where, where uh, some of the parts and pieces uh, didn't hold up maybe as expected. And that created a little bit more opportunity for those who haven't necessarily been running at, at, for, up the front, at the front all season. But then again, the drivers who run at the front one week aren't necessarily the same as the ones who are running the next week. And I think that's what, making this whole, playoff, uh, this, this whole playoff system pretty interesting this year. Yeah, well, Bob, you know, mentioning the the fact that these you know different drivers have won, but it's something that we've seen throughout the entire NASCAR season. How how big is this for NASCAR that you don't have just one, two, or maybe three drivers that are dominating the, this whole circuit right now? It feels like anybody could win at any given time. That's got to be big for NASCAR. It's big for NASCAR in the sense that they know that every driver has a certain number of fans, and when you have nineteen winners already with. Seven races to go, you've already tied the record for most wins, winners in the season. You know that those fans have a reason to watch. They have a reason to get excited about. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, all sports, it, it, it kind of goes in, in cycles. And, you know, you don't, always, you don't necessarily mind having somebody who wins a bunch of races, right? Because then the storyline is who's going to catch this driver? Can this driver continue to win a bunch of races? So NASCAR has had that kind of storyline for several years. So I think they're happy to have a storyline of, you know, anybody can win on any given day, and you don't really know who, who that is, is going to be. Look, I think you, there's still six winners or so from a year ago who haven't even won yet. Yeah. <laughs> Part of this night group of 19, you're like, man, they, they could rattle off a win at any time. And, Bob, obviously with the guys that we did see eliminated in round one, a couple really big names to the sport for a long period of time. I know Kevin Harvick had had a troublesome season until he won a couple races in a row there about a month or so back. And then, obviously, Kyle Busch and all the drama with his contract situation, but still one of the name uh, best drivers in the sport, eliminated in round one. How surprised were, were you with the four that were eliminated? And what does that say about the, the field of 12 here as we continue on? Well, I, I would say I'd have to be surprised because I know I didn't pick Kyle Busch to not make it out of round one. I know I didn't pick Kevin Harvick not to make it out of round one. I didn't pick Tyler Reddick to not make it out of round one. So uh, three drivers got through that I didn't think uh, were going to get through, and three drivers fell out. So I was pretty surprised. And, you know, I think, I mean, look, you can never predict that Kyle Busch should have two blown engines, right? Yeah. No, no engine failure in, uh, in nearly three years and then two and three races. That's just that's just unlucky. There's there's no other way to to explain it other than than they're just a little bit unlucky, and uh, but you know but that happens and that's what these three race rounds are designed 
to do. They're designed to create chaos. They're designed to create unpredictability, and that's exactly what they've done. And Bob, with this this next stretch of races, we've got Texas, which is a, a mile-and-a-half track. We've got uh, Talladega, which obviously is a drafting track, and then the Charlotte Roval, a road course, three very different types of racetracks. I'm curious, just you uh, covering the sport for so long, uh, is this your favorite round of the playoffs just from a, <laughs> from a uh, unique standpoint of how different these tracks are, how different the races will be? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly the most diverse round. Uh, for sure. Uh, I think, you know, I think as you get to the round of eight and, you know, that might be a little bit more dramatic round. You know, I think this is a round where, you know, that driver only controls his own destiny by so much, right? You get in a wreck, getting bombed somebody else's wreck at Talladega. Uh, you, you get turned in Charlotte late in the race and all of a sudden go from second to 30th to 30th. Uh, you know, so I think this, this round is the most intriguing round. This is the round where you look at this weekend at Texas and say, man, a driver needs to get stage points. The driver needs to either win or, or be top five in order to feel like, okay, if something happens at Talladega, if something happens at the Roval, that they could still be okay. And so of these 12 drivers going into it, I know obviously we've seen a lot of chaos, and so there's already a, a certain amount of unpredictability. We know the points reset based off playoff points earned, so Chase Elliott goes back to being the leader after having a somewhat up-and-down uh, first round. Where do you power rank some of these drivers in terms of guys that you think are most likely to make it to Phoenix as won the championship for? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I still think you know Chase Elliott, with what he's done all year and especially what he's done at road courses, I think you're going to look at him probably as number one. Christopher Bell, you would argue, is you know he's the only driver to lock himself in after the first two races in the first round. The way they've been running has been so solid. I'd put him two, and then probably Kyle Larson three, and then Denny Hamlin four with the way Denny Hamlin runs. But uh, you know they're going to have to keep from uh, from tripping over themselves if they want to have a shot to make it to the next couple of rounds. Does that feel like something? It's kind of gone by the wayside because we've had bigger things to talk about as it is playoff time. But it still feels like Ross Chastain's got a wreck in, in line for him. Someone's <laughs> about to take him out. Does it still feel that way to you? Uh, a little bit, and you would think like the Roval would be kind of place. You know, that was the place last year that Harvick kind of tried to make his point with Chase Elliott and up backfiring on him. But uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if Chastain is in the mix. At, uh, at the Roval if somebody tries to, to make their point there. I mean, I don't see them trying to make their point at Talladega. You wouldn't risk it there. The Texas is a very high-speed track. I don't know that you'd risk it there as well. Uh, talking with Bob Pockers here on Sports Call, talking some NASCAR. Uh, as we look forward to these races and you kind of look back at what has happened uh, in the past races, right now, if you're in a Toyota, are you concerned with, with – how your car is going to be holed up as you as as you keep going through these races? Well, I think they they kind of have it figured out of kind of what potentially has been some of the engine issues. I don't think they'll see the power steering issues at uh, you know that they saw at Bristol because that's potentially you know the loads of that track. I think if you're a Toyota though, you know that you have we're not good at the road courses this year, right. and you know that you don't have all that many friends. At Talladega, you know, there's just so many more Chevrolets, so many more Fords. So if you're if you're Christopher Bell, you're Denny Hamlin, you're looking at Texas and saying, "Man, 
I, I need to win <laughs> because I don't know that you can count on very much going right for you the following two weeks. And, and now that, you know, I'm, I've been looking, you know, the, the uh, Toyota racing development, uh, David Wilson, you know, and they've talked about some of the things that have happened with these drive the drivers missing shifts or different things like that. But uh, you don't think it's an overall engine problem with Toyota? Is it, is it some driver error, a mix of both? But, uh, you know, is that, that's something that Toyota is trying to figure out on why their engines keep going out. Yeah, I, I know David Wilson talked to um, – Talked to Dustin Long over at NBC and, and, and talked about some things that they felt uh, with the, uh, something in, the, in their internal deal that, that, that they feel like that they've got figured out, that they can go conservative a little bit more with that, that should fix the issue. I don't think it's a matter of them, uh, matter of them shifting. It, it was, you know, there's some thoughts that Kyle Busch, uh, you know, at, at Kansas maybe had missed a shift. Um, or I'm sorry, Darlington maybe missed a shift, but you know I think it was kind of after they went through it that that it wasn't it wasn't that. So you know I think it, it's more it was more just something on Toyota's end, something that they've seen recently with uh with, with something that they were doing and how it reacts to the next gen car. Bob Pockers is here with us on Sports Call today, a NASCAR reporter for Fox Sports, and Bob, we talk about the race that just took place. This past weekend in Bristol, and Chase Elliott walks away finishing second. But a lot of people want to talk about his comments looking for a more compacted NASCAR schedule. And here we are coming to you live from SEC football country. We love, we know what football does this time of year to eyeballs and viewership and, and conversations. I mean, how serious is this? Is this a legitimate possibility for the sport? Where do you stand on, on Elliott's remarks? Well, you know, I mean, first off, obviously, I work for Fox, so I would have maybe a little bit more bias <laughs> toward the TV, right? And I don't have, you know, so any sort of insight in, in, in some ways. So this is more Bob Pockers, the reporter, talking, if you can take that for what it's worth. But, uh, you know, I don't see the schedule changing a whole lot. You know, could they end maybe a week earlier or two weeks earlier? I think that's always a possibility. Uh, I would say that the midweek races – that were tried in the last couple of years did not go great as far as ratings go. So they don't necessarily, uh, I don't know whether that's really as much of an option as maybe they wish. Uh, I think the, the, the one thing that Chase probably needs to remember or maybe doesn't even realize is that, you know, when, when NBC or USA has a race going up against football, it may get lower the audience than it would if it wasn't up against football, but it does so much better than anything that network could put up against football, if that makes sense. Sure. So, you know, so if they're doing, uh, you know, well, yeah, well, let's just say if they're doing a 1.5 million, that's potentially 1.4 million that they wouldn't have on their, on their net, watching their network at that time. So therefore you can charge more for commercials, and everything. So, and that's one of the reasons why a network would pay more money to NASCAR to have something to go up against football, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so that so you have to. So that is one of the reasons why it might be attractive to a TV network to go up against football, even though you know that it may not get as many eyeballs. As it, as you would as it would if it wasn't up against football. 
that is a smart way to look at it. I mean, yeah, that, that's something that obviously we, we do get so focused on the football side of things. But, all right, we're taking away Bob Pockers, big fans of big noon kickoffs from Fox and uh, endorses every single <laughs> NFC team at the NFL level uh, there with Fox. So Talladega is coming up next week, and we know that uh, your fans love the tweet-ups that take place and that sort of thing. What's the origin of the tweet-up, Bob? Well, the origin was uh, when I was working with Jeff Gluck at NASCAR Scene in 2009 when we joined this new thing called Twitter. Some people <laughs> followed Jeff said, hey, we want to meet you. So Jeff said, hey, you know, I don't have a whole lot of responsibilities during Finney race. I'll sit in this section of the grandstands and come on over. And I think that was his first, you know, kind of tweet up. And it just kind of evolved from there where we try to meet on Sunday mornings or early Sunday afternoons of race days and try to meet with the fans who follow us on Twitter. We appreciate their follows so, so much. And it also allows people to meet other people who they maybe have chatted with on Twitter but never have met face-to-face. And it's time for them to, to meet each other and for us to just talk a little racing. I'm sure you have the craziest of stories in those settings then. <laughs> I can say that at one we did have a wedding proposal, at, at not, not for one of us, but somebody <laughs> said, Bob, I don't have a question for you. I have a question for you. And pointed to his uh, his girlfriend, who is now wow. who was, then became his fiance and now his wife. And they invited me to the wedding, but unfortunately, I think it was during a race weekend, and I couldn't go. But um, and, and it was really, really unfortunate because it was a it was a event where Richard Petty had hoped to come to the tweet up, but uh, either a scheduling thing or he couldn't make it to the race that day and, and didn't come. So he's hoping to actually use Richard Petty as the kind of the the person asked the question and then turned to his wife, but it ended up being me. So, uh, you know, but look, race fans love them. Like, they're just so passionate about uh, the sport. They, you know, they it's, it's all about the drivers that they love and the drivers that they love to hate. And it's just, um, you know, going to a race is just an, an experience that a lot of these people save up all year for to be able to go and have some fun. Yeah, you look at your life, Bob, and NASCAR has brought you to the uh, you know the doorsteps there of a marriage proposal, and then we're also seeing that kickball's coming back. You've got a oh. kickball classic <laughs> there with Corey LaJoy that you're going to be featured in. What's the game looking like? You got a good swing? Uh, well, uh, I'm going to do my best. I made the last out last year of this oh. tournament, so um, my, my, my goals aren't all that high. It's just <laughs> to make the last out, but uh, it's a great – event for local uh, YMCA and the uh, Charity Samaritan's Beat that uh, that Corey LaJoy uh, supports. And so, you know, a lot of drivers media try to uh, try to participate in it. And hopefully, hopefully no injuries. Well, that sounds, sounds like J.J. when he's playing on our softball team. He's like, expectations are not high. I just don't want to make the last out. <laughs> That's J.J. Well, well, the funny thing is that there's a lot of, NASCAR race teams that had like they're very they have their own kickball league and like they are competitive like they, wow. it's like you know they have it's you know you watch there, there's an actual tournament and then there's these celebrity games that I'm part of but the actual tournament games like these guys are and they're pretty uh, it's pretty intense it's incredible Bob thank you so much for the time for all the stories talking NASCAR playoffs with us and uh, like you said coming up next week back in our state at Talladega. Looking forward to seeing you there, and thanks again for joining us here on the program. Thank you, guys.